Hello, and welcome to Pastor George's Bible Study. So, by God's grace, um, we want to start, we want to continue from where we stopped last time. If you remember last week, we were talking about, we're talking about the cross and the, um, the, the effect of the cross. And if you, if you remember, we were, we're looking at Romans chapter six. And please, I will still appeal to us. It's good to study Romans chapter six. In fact, Romans chapter six, chapter seven, chapter eight. It was all written as a, as a, like a strong lesson or to let us know the, the, the consequence of Jesus Christ's death on the cross. But we'll just study a bit further this evening. And so I want us to look at Romans 6. Maybe as a quick recap, we'll read from verse 10 straight down to verse 23. So Romans 6 from verse 10 to 23. Um, can somebody read for us, please? That's good. Thank you very much, Liam. Um, can somebody take it from? He has read verse ten for us, which is very important. Can somebody take it from verse eleven? Yes. Even so, I can take it. Um, so, in the same way, yes. count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ to Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. So carrying on to 15. Yes. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone, as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one that you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or you are slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness. 
But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your hearts the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefits did you reap at that time? from the things you are now ashamed of. Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefits you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Ojone, thank you very much. Um, some of us might not know you, Ojone. I know you, and I I just feel it's good on this platform. Let the others know you. Ojone is a um, medical doctor. She's and is a and she's a gynecologist, obstetrician, and gynecologist actually. Um, in training, almost completing her training anyway. So she's joining us on the study. Um, I've known her since when she was a medical student. Now she's become a senior, <laughs> a senior Obzangaini um, specialist. So, Ojone, I know, yes, thank you. It's good you've, you've showed us. Welcome to our Bible study, sister. Yes. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here. Yeah. Welcome. Nice seeing you. Mm-hmm. So, um, we just want to continue from where we stopped last week. Um, we have been looking at the effect of Jesus Christ's death on the cross for us. And is I think for a recap, can somebody read their notes for us? One of the children, um, the Salido family, I know that you guys are there and you are very good at taking notes. Please, can one of you read your notes for us, just as a recap, please? Thank you. Regine, is somebody else? Is it you that will read it? Uh, Risa, you read your notes. Your notes. Okay, Risa, where are you? Have you I can't see your face. Yes, can you read your notes for us? She doesn't want to be in the camera. You don't want to be on the camera. Why? Why is everybody camera shy? What's wrong? The camera is good. Not even. Um. Yes. So thank you. Our understanding of the cross is crucial. If we don't understand the cross, there'll be no way. There will be no way for us to be Christian. The cross isn't just a symbol. It's Jesus died on the cross and his death is far more than physical death. The cross represents not just physical death, but spiritual death. 
The world has also been crucified. Through the cross, we are dead through the world. The cross has crucified the relationship with the world. It has set us free from that stifling relationship. Because of the cross, the world looks at you. At you. There is a look. The world looks at you there is, and there is nothing that they can see about you. It, it cross-cuts our relationship with the Lord, with the world, and we are baptised into Jesus' death. God is telling us and, and challenging our hearts that we are ba- being baptised into his death. We must know that we are being baptised <laughs> into Jesus' death. It is important that we now believe in it. The cross is not just a symbol. Oh, it, 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 is. it is what ha- happened on the, the cross is more important and crucial. We should not allow sin to reign in our body. And we should present ourselves to the Lord as being alive to the dead and present your body as intru- instruments of righteousness to him. God is asking us to respond to what Jesus did on the cross for us. And we will leave that response. Jesus told us to carry out cross with us the grace of god brings us salvation okay thank you very much lisa so remember um just as she mentioned there um i think we ended on the note that we must reckon like it said in verse 11 we must consider ourselves to be dead indeed to sin but not just dead to sin, we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. And it's important we remember that, that our lives, actually, we are dead to sin. But you are, it's not just an empty thought. We have to realize that you are not just dead, but actually alive. That's the key. You are alive in God. In Christ Jesus. And now, what is the consequence of being alive in, in God, in Christ Jesus? Is what we saw in verse 12 of that same chapter 6. The Bible said, therefore, and if you remember, we, we always say the meaning of therefore is what has gone before. And what has gone before is actually that we are now alive in Christ Jesus. We are dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. So that is what has gone before. And consequent upon that, the Bible is telling us in verse 12, it says, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey it in its lusts. That's what the Bible is saying. Do not allow sin reign in your mortal body. Because you are now alive in God. Verse 13 emphasizes it. It says, and do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Why shouldn't you do this? It's because you are now alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Do not present your members, your body. Do not make your body available for sin. That's what the scripture is teaching here. So in that verse 13, it's very important to understand what what the consequence of being alive 
in Christ is. Or the end result of being alive in Christ is that you do not present your bodies or your, your, yourself as an instrument or as an agent of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God. The Bible says, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members, your body as instruments, as agent of righteousness. So the Bible is saying, don't present yourself as agents of unrighteousness, agents of sin, but present your body as an agent of righteousness. That is what God is demanding from our lives as being alive unto God. So we have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. I have a responsibility not to present my body as an agent for sin. That's what the scripture is telling us here. And it's important we take note of it because I know people, um, I don't know if, if you've heard this several times. People will say, when they misbehave, they say, oh, it wasn't easy. The devil tempted me. Yes, the devil temptation we won't, we won't graduate from it. But we can present our body either for righteousness or for unrighteousness. So looking at the word of God there, it's important to take note of this because that's, that's the consequence of being alive unto God in Christ Jesus. So, verse 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Yes, Kevin, you have a, you want to say something, yeah? I mean, it's, it's a bit abstract, isn't it? It's a bit abstract. Um, none of us here, I don't think, are going around murdering people or robbing banks or, mm-hmm. um, um, so, you know, not getting drunk every night, I hope. Mm-hmm. Not, not getting drunk at all. Yes. So, what sort of examples would you would you put into those categories for um, for average people, for average people, so, and Christians, obviously in particular. But I mean, even average Christians, people that you know. When I first became a Christian, I was a nice guy before that. Mm. I'm a nice guy now, I hope. But that's not Christian. Yeah. That's not Christian anyway. So what's the difference? What is the difference? So the, I mean, the, is, the main thing is, when we talk about sin, I mean, you have talked about <laughs> the obvious things. But that the covert things, the subtle things that look like sin, they're actually sin, but it's sin. If you, if you go to Galatians, and I always use this as an illustration because it has it shows us in clear terms what God wants us to take note of in our own personal lives. And let's remember, this scripture was not written to people who were not Christians. This letter was to the Christians in Rome. The same way we are going to read the letter to the Christians in Galatia. So if you look at Galatians, Chapter 5. Now, there are some, there's a, I call it the horrible list, but it's, it's horrible because it's good we take note of it as Christians. 
So the Bible is telling us in verse Galatians chapter 5, is telling us very clearly in verse um, 19. From verse 19, it says, the works of the flesh are evident. And there's that list there. He mentions it. He says, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murder, drunkenness, rivalry, rivalries. And look at the phrase there. And the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I've told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that list mentions all those horrible things. But it now mentions things that look like it. So at the end of that list, after talking about envy, murder, drunkenness, reveries, and the like, what are the little, little things that look like some of these things? Let's take, for example, selfish ambitions. You see, as a Christian, we need to always keep a check on it. It looks as if, oh, in church and in our associations with people, we are not selfish. But in deep in your heart, when you have an agenda to push, that could be a selfish ambition, but you are not aware of it. It's in your heart. You might not be making it plain to everybody, but it's there. Nobody, look at another one, jealousies. You see, nobody writes, no, nobody carries a tag on his head, I am jealous. <laughs> nobody does that. Jealousy, envy, are issues of the heart. Very quiet. The Bible is, you see, for me, I might not be obviously indulging in the overt works of the flesh, but I must be careful about the things that look like it. The, 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 the Bible talks about idolatry. You know, you read it, you think it's only about somebody bowing down to an image. It's an idolater. No. There are some things that can become idols in your heart. Even the things of God. I'll give an example. The work of God can suddenly become an idol in your heart. And that trumps your personal relationship with God. Why should I replace my activities in church with my one-on-one relationship with the master? When I regard church work, church activity as number one, and I make my quiet time, my personal devotion with the Lord Jesus as number two, I've suddenly made the work of God an idol ahead of God. Yeah, Kevin? We were looking at uh, Ananias and Sapphira last night. Yes. And, um, you know, the way they presented the money 
to the feet of Peter, yeah. saying, look what we've done, look what we've done. And, of course, they didn't tell the truth. Yes. That's an example. And, you know, you wouldn't normally put that. You know, they, they made a sacrifice. They had land. They went and sold it. But, you see, quietly, they had a selfish ambition to establish themselves as one of those who are the powerful supporters of God's work among the disciples. That was, that was not related with the spirit with which they were meant to give into God's work. Maybe they saw that, oh, Barnabas has sold a land, piece of land. Yes, let's go and do the same so that we too we will show that, you know, we are the, we are the, we are the most kindest group of, we are the kindest couple in Jerusalem. They wanted to create an effect. That's a selfish ambition. Even when it looked as if they were giving to God's work. You see, some of these things, the Bible talks about it over, um, overtly. But we need to be careful. The reason why I'm saying that is because it is, it, they are quiet things of the heart. If we don't check ourselves all the time, if we don't cross-check and make sure that um, we are not, we are careful about some of these things. When you talk about drunkenness, it's not, you know, the first thing is, oh, you are drunk with wine. You are not an alcoholic. But if we check our, your life, is there something you are drunk with? You can, a man can be drunk, drunk with his ambition. Some people, if the Holy Spirit is ministering to them, oh, give this money for this. But because you are so overwhelmed and you, you, you are overwhelmed with a particular activity, you will see yourself diverting that money into that activity when you know that God wants you to do otherwise. So there are so many things we can look at. But you see, the premise of what we are trying to establish or what I feel the Lord wants us to remind ourselves is that we are, we are now meant to present ourselves as his instrument, as agents of right living, of righteousness. And that's what God wants us to be. That's the commitment upon our hearts now as people who are being called and as people who are now dead but arisen and alive in God. So some, those are some of the practical ways we should ensure that we are instruments of righteousness. Now, look at verse 22 of that Galatians 5. That will give us a practical sense of how we should be instruments of righteousness. So look at verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, maybe I should read from verse 21. You know, it says, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I told, tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So God is telling us, Beware, do not practice those things. Do not yield your body as an instrument to practice those things. But look at what he said we should practice. If you look at verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
Against such, there is no law. There is no law against practicing these things. God's demand upon our lives, upon my life and your life, is that the fruit of the Spirit, we should practice it. And take note, I mean, some people have said, oh, it's the fruits. But for me, when I look at it, it's a whole fruit. And that whole fruit, part of it is patience. Part of that whole fruit is goodness, is kindness, is long-suffering. Some people, you know, some, somebody has said <laughs> as an illustration, oh, you know, I am kind, but I am not patient. <laughs> and nobody here will eat an apple that has one section of it is bad. Even if you try and shave it, shave that section off, you notice that the, 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 the decay can be deeper than what it seems outside. So the fruit of the spirit is wholesome. So there's no excuse for me to say, oh, you know, I am I'm kind, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gentle. I don't have self-control. I have to work at it. I have to ensure that this is part of my own life. Yes, Kevin. So as you're just going back to the previous verse, uh, um, it says, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Yes. Is that the same as shall not be saved, or does it mean something else? It means you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, if that is your practice. Mm-hmm. The question of being saved is, is, still, is still, you know, yes, you accepted Jesus. And you acknowledge him as Lord, but you go ahead practicing these things. You defeat your, your, your initial confession. It, it's no longer tenable. It's, it's not me that said it. It's the Bible. Shall not, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And we see, we see a lot of Christians, I believe Christians, that are saved who... They're not able to shake off their addictions, not able to shake off their mental health conditions, not able to shake off some of their physical health conditions, which cause them to have lots of um, difficulties, depression, and well, it's more mental health. But, but uh, so for me, it means more that if you're if you're practicing in those, there's consequences to all those things, yeah. and you won't be able to walk in the fullness of Christ today. Mm. Yeah today and um and that uh, a lot of these things end up in premature death you know mm-hmm. if you're a drug addict as a, a christian who's still a drug addict hasn't been released from that carries on taking drugs will will eventually die from it mm-hmm. um and their life will be ended short but again does that mean that they won't go to heaven they're not well, saved <laughs> when the bible says you you've mentioned you have you have talked about two things now two different things the Bible is talking about this way, this way of life, and it's very, very um, practical there. It talked about practice. It talks, uh, maybe, just permit me, let me, let me just read. Yes, it talks about practice. So, these works of the flesh become your way of life. It becomes your regular what you do. 
And when you practice something, it means you repeatedly do it. Isn't it? I'm using that word because that's the word, the word, the word um, that was used in scripture. You've talked about people who can't shake off certain aspects of their life and it leads to mental health and breakdowns and all that. It's the, the Bible is quite specific about this way of life. Now, some people have addictions. And yes, they are Christians and they have repeatedly gone back. Going back, when we talk about addictions and maybe we can pass it on that drunkenness, at times we use that word addiction in a light sense, meaning that the person can't help himself. Isn't it? George, can I yes. say something about the drunkenness? Yes. I think yes. what I can also understand about this word is, you know, like if a person is with this self-ambition, uh, like they yes. are concentrated to their ambition that they don't care other people, yes. uh, people's welfare as long as they attain, you know, their ambition and be there. And yes. once they will be in that position, you know, mm. they will be drunk of this uh, too much success that they were mm. able to, you know, attain and then mm. doesn't care about other people around them. It's just like being so selfish. Yes. No, I agree with you, um, um, Nika. You know, is the question uh, Kevin was asking is where do you class addicts in this? Yeah, I mean, they are sick, isn't it? They can't help themselves at this point. Yes. Um, uh, the remedy, the, remedy the, the best remedy is not to get to the point where you become addicted, isn't it? Um, and so the, the not practicing the daily kind of, you know, drunkenness. Yes. Because yes. there are consequences, like like Kevin was saying. Yeah, there are consequences, definitely. And, and the, the scripture says, such those who practice such will not inherit the kingdom of God. And there's a place, is it in Romans? I said, the, the kingdom of God is not in food and drink, but it's in righteousness, peace, and yeah. joy in the Holy Ghost. Yeah. So if someone is addicted and is drunk and, and he can't help himself, he loses out of the fullness of the kingdom of God, even while on earth, yeah? Yeah. So it's a warning to us, you know, um, from, from that passage to stick with the things that, um, you know, you know avoid the things we've been warned against mm-hmm. and instead pursue, you know, the, the life, life in the spirit. And as for giving your bodies, I was going to say, you know, yielding your bodies as instruments of righteousness, you know, back to Romans, um, Paul was saying, no, I'm, I use daily um, daily examples in your life so that you can understand it. You used to give yourselves mm. to these horrible things, but now, and you were slaves to them. So addiction is a part of being slave to, 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 you know, your actions. Um, you were slaves to them in the same way, be slaves unto Christ. And this applies, I think, the simple way that I think about this, and I think it will help the younger people, is my body, your members, your head, shoulders, knees, and toes, every part of you. Just think, I'm about to do this thing with my hands. Am I doing it for Christ or for myself or for the devil? 
I'm about to say something to somebody. Is it what Jesus would say? You know, I'm about to kick a football onto a fence and break it, you know, something along those lines. Is it what Jesus would do? It's, it's almost a simplistic way of looking at it, but, but it really helps me. I like giving this example to the kids about, um, you know, at work as a, as a doctor, you're in the office and, and you open the drawer and there's this big, you know, big um, ream of printing paper. There's a lot of it and you need printing paper at home. You know, the, the easy thing to do that nobody will find out is you just take a few, 20, 30 sheets, you know, you put it in your bag and you go home and nobody's not the wiser. You know, you, you, could, you could do that. And nobody would know. Um, but I consciously, there was, I, I had several times been tempted to, to take some paper from the office. And I said, no, 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 no. I'm not, I don't want, I should not do that. Mm. That will not be honoring to Christ. So it's, things as simple as that. People might say it's over the top, but if we don't make it a practice, then when the big issues come, you'll not be able to deal with it, with them. Mm. Now I'm about to shove my brother into the wall. Uh, is that what Jesus would do? You know, think about that before doing it, and that means yielding your 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 bodies, you know, and your minds and your you know every part of you as an instrument to God. Uh, and the, we cannot do it by ourselves. That's the, inter, that's the, the interesting thing because many people try to be good, don't they? You know, nobody sets out to be like, oh, I'm going to destroy the world today. No. They say, well, I'm, even the bad guys say, well, I'm actually at heart. I'm a good guy. I don't like to do these things. But they cannot help themselves without the cross of Jesus. We cannot have the power to do mm. and try for a while. And then, you know, we fall off the wagon. That's how hypocrites are made. You know, you, you go outside and you try and be the good guy. And then uh, back in your room, you kick off your shoes and take off the mask and, and you're yourself again. Mm. With Jesus on board, uh, both inside and out, you wouldn't need a mask, whether you're inside or outside. The same person you are in your room should be the same person you are in a, you know, in the assembly hall. Hmm. So. so, on the issue of practicing, for me, like Funke was saying, it is quite important that we carry that consciousness about us being instruments of God unto righteousness. So if God wants to show kindness now to somebody, he's not going to come down from heaven as God. He has to look for an instrument to show kindness. And God is saying, let's be available as that instrument to be used. That's what, that is what the practical sense of this is what God is trying to lay on our hearts. That because we are now alive in Christ, then, therefore, this should not be our regular practice. This should be our practice of life. You know, so it's, it's not simplistic, but actually we can embrace the simplicity that is in Christ regarding this. 
uh, what George, purchase? Yes. Uh, can I add something? Yeah. Because I know, like, once uh, a person is being born again, and it's a continuous transformation or sanctification, because there are like some, uh, there are like Christians who've been like Christians, let's say, for ten years, and if you observe their lives. It seems like they are still like living like a, a baby Christian, but you will see them regularly in the church. But there are some like just, they've just been born again, like let's say a year or two, but you will see the transformation in their lives. So I think it depends on, you know, uh, how a person, how a Christian is really serious in walking with God, because uh, it's one of us, you know, even say we are born again, we have a different probably degree of uh, like uh, uh, sanctification in our lives. Like, for example, with the fruit of the spirit, mm -hmm. like um, a proper mature Christian, like they are not easily provoked, even whatever, like a situation or arguments around that person you will not be easily provoked but try to understand the situation isn't it but there are some christians like a little bit of petty things that's probably been said against that person and then it will just you know create anger and resentment and then unable to forgive uh, you know the enemies mm. so that's that's all george yes you know just to add to that, nobody graduates from these things. We need to keep constantly checking up on our lives. You see, Paul wrote, he said that not after he has preached in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he said not after he has preached to all these people, he himself will now be cast away. And what does he do? He puts his body under. He, he checks and ensures that he still yields his body as instruments of righteousness. We have to keep doing it. Nobody but graduates from it. We have to keep doing it all the time. For the Lord Jesus, without him, we can't be in this room. And with all we know the Lord Jesus, the way he says to us, uh, from life of the dead, and when he was crucified, we always having his heart to make us feel safe. And what we know in our world, we are only walking with him. So when yes, we Liam. Him, we are having his own heart to make us live. And here's us. And speaking to him on our own hearts, we learn down that to knowing he's there for us. So what he does that, when he nails to the cross that, and there's us coming here to do the, our prayer meeting on the Zoom meeting to appreciate him. Okay, Liam, let's look at, let's continue. Thanks yeah. very much. Let's continue from, let's go to Romans 6. Um, 
Romans 6. So if we look from verse 15, I'll just read it and we'll contribute as it, as it were. The Bible is saying, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? Question mark. Remember verse 14 mentioned that for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Under grace is what I thought is good to explain a bit, just to encourage our heart and show us from scripture the provision God has made through grace. Now, grace, I think we read it last time, and I just want to remind us, I'll read it very quickly, in in Titus chapter 2, from verse 11. He's talking about grace here. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace brought salvation from verse 11. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works that any man should boast. That's what scripture says. Grace brings salvation. And look at the wonderful thing about grace. It's not for a certain, a group, a particular group of people. The Bible said, grace, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It is available. You don't pay money for grace. It is available in Christ Jesus. Now, that grace is also a teacher. Verse 12. It says, teaching us. That grace teaches us. So apart from bringing salvation to me and you, that grace is also a teacher. It teaches us to deny ungodliness, to say no. All those things, that's what, uh, you know, just to add to what Funke was saying there, that we can't do it on our own. We have to rely on the grace of God. The grace of God is God's divine ability to every man to do what he ordinarily cannot do himself. That grace brought salvation, but that grace is an empowerment from God to help us, teach us to deny ungodliness. All those things that was listed in Galatians 5, the grace of God is the teacher to help us deal with those things and keep a tab on it as we walk with him. He says, deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. So all that you can see is a, is a product and it gives you a product of all those, that terrible list I talked about. Sorry. That terrible list I talked about. Please, can I call you back? I'm in a meeting. Thanks. So the Bible is saying there that that grace also is teaching us to live soberly. So it's not just saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, or learn not to do this. It's also a teacher. It also teaches us how to live righteously. In this present world, 
And beloved brethren, we know the world we are living in. It's not a godly world. It's a world, generally speaking, does not accept the authority of Jesus. But this grace is teaching. That's why nobody can boast. That's why I can't say, you know, I bought, I did 100 days of fasting. That's why I can do this. No, it's grace. It is not, you don't, you don't work for it. It is freely available. That's what the scripture is teaching us. And you see, I'm praying that God will help us. We help you, we help me. For us to always keep tapping into this grace. Always tap into it because it's available. And where do we tap into it, please? That grace is in Christ Jesus. Let's, let me show you a scripture very quickly. In John chapter 1, I think we read it before, but permit me, as long as we read it again, and it reminds us, keeps our heart fresh, we can appreciate it. So in John chapter 1, John was writing, trying to explain about the grace of God. Look at it in verse... Um, sorry, John 1, yes... In verse 16, it says, it says, and of his fullness, we have all received grace for grace. Of whose fullness, please? The fullness of Christ. It was talking about Jesus here. Of his fullness, we have received grace for grace. It now says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That's, that, is, that is a, honestly, that scripture encourages me. That in Jesus, I can find grace. As I follow Jesus, I will get grace. As I relate with Jesus, grace comes. As I, as I walk with him, as I make him my model for life, grace comes. And that's what God is trying to encourage us to do. You see, we don't have any other option but to follow him because in Christ, there is grace. And you can never exhaust the grace that is in Christ. You can't go to Christ and God say, you know, grace has finished. You keep going for more. But we should also take note that we don't take the grace of God in vain. God is very particular about, about invest, his investment in our lives. So that's why, if you remember, that scripture was saying in Romans, do we continue in sin because we are under grace? You are now taking the grace of God in vain if you think, oh, there's grace available, then I can continue in sin. No. The reason for grace is so that you don't continue in sin. The reason for grace is so that you can, by God's grace, overcome it. That's why we cannot do anything by ourselves, but by grace. And I'm praying that God will make it a, a, an impression on your heart. That you will keep praying for grace all the time. And say, God, <laughs> all I need is your grace. A brother used to remind us. He used to say, Lord, don't give me gold. Give me grace. 
Because with grace, I can access the, the needed riches in Christ. You know, and I'm trusting that God will help us. So going back to um, Romans chapter 6, it says, for we are not under law, but under grace. Now, verse 15 now says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. You know, people have used grace in a, they've misunderstood it several times. They think, oh, we are not saved by works. We are saved under grace. It's by grace. It's by grace. And they use that as a cloak to misbehave. That is not the reason for grace. Shall we continue in sin? Shall we sin because we are under the law? No. Certain, sorry, it says, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? No. And that scripture started in, if you look at verse 1 of um, Romans 6, just as a correlation or as a reference, it says, what shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? The same thing, you see. The answer is certainly not. You can't, we we can't now continue in sin. The reason why that question was asked was, look at verse 20 of chapter 5. You see, that's why I said the book of Romans, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8, is a good read. When you have time, please go and sit down and study it. There's so much we can learn from it. The reason why that question was asked in verse 1 of chapter 6 was because of what was said in chapter 5, verse 20 and 21. Look at it. The Bible says in verse 20 of chapter 5, it says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Do we, do we see that? When there is sin, when there is misbehavior, the grace of God to say no to that sin far outweighs the sin itself. So verse 20 is saying, where sin abounds, grace. The grace to say no to that sin, the grace of God to help you overcome it outweighs. That's why it says grace abounds much more. And with that, it gives us that assurance, that confidence that the grace in Christ Jesus can help us. And that grace far outweighs what sin can hold us bound to? Yes, Kevin. So just just checking then, does that mean that if, if we have, we know there's a brother or a sister who are walking in the flesh, um, doing some of those things in Galatians 20 to 21, 22, we are, if we start to think that we're better than them, because we're not, we're fooling ourselves, yeah? Because the fact that we're not is the grace of God in us. Yes. That means that we're not. 
Equally, if an unbeliever is doing all those things, and we, heaven forbid, think ourselves better than them because we're not doing those things, again, it's the grace of God that's in that. Isn't this a lesson on grace that that we've been shown grace, that we need to show grace? Yes, it's, that's the honest truth. Yeah, because no, that's why nobody can. Even, even when, you know, the Bible teaches this, even when a brother or a sister needs help, the Bible very strictly says it clearly. It says if a brother is overtaken in a fault, what did the scripture say? Those who are spiritual should restore such a person in the spirit of humility and meekness so that they too will remind themselves that they too can also fall. So there is no boasting. Anybody that starts boasting and thinking is actually <laughs> is actually working in the flesh. When boasting comes in, that's why there should be, you know, in, in following Jesus, the humility of Christ should be rubbed on us. In restoring people, in helping people, it must be done in humility. When we go and say, like you were trying to say there, that this issue of grace, it is, it is a, it is a leveler. Everybody is on the same level. There is no, 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 no. Even, even in Christian service, look at what Jesus said. Remember when the disciples were arguing, who will be the greatest? Who will be the greatest? <laughs> what did Jesus say? He said, "Is he that serves that is the greatest." If you're actually looking for who is greatest, go and serve. Humble yourself. You know, so grace is nobody, because you don't buy it, you don't pay for it, there's nothing you do to get grace. It makes you a debtor. You have suddenly become, because you have received grace from God, you automatically become a debtor of grace to other people. So you can't boast. You know, if I'm a debtor of grace, that means, like you said, I should show grace. Do you congratulate somebody who pays his debt? You owe grace to a brother or a sister. And you pay the debt by showing grace. It will be, it will be very funny. Then they congratulate you and say, yes, well done. You have just paid your debt. No, you have just done what you ought to do. You know, so I'm trusting that God will help us be agents of his grace. The Bible talks about um, us, even in our words, they must be gracious, leading and full of grace. Yes, Kevin. I mean, it, it talks about us being, you know, be, be a debtor only in love. Yes. You use the word grace there in its place. But I've always thought it's strange that uh, the fruit of the spirit doesn't have grace in the list. Because <laughs> I, I don't understand, meaning that is the spirit, because that word grace is not in the list of fruits of the spirit, is it? It's not. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, I've always but, thought it's strange that it's not. So where, how is it covered? Because it no, definitely but, is part of being. Part yes. of being a Christian is showing grace. 
Yes, but the that fruit of the spirit is this, this, we call it fruit of the spirit. It's also a spirit of grace. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the spirit of grace. Grace is a gift, isn't it? It's um, what Abigail is saying. Yes. That you you don't grow and mature grace. In grace, okay, yes. Grace, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's that's correct. Is is a like we read is spirit versus fruit of the spirit. Yes. A day old Christian can have gifts of the spirit. Yes. It doesn't. Is anything to get gifts of the spirit, but a mature you need to mature to grow in the fruit of the spirit. Yes, but the word grace, uh, what Kevin was saying is that for him, you know, it looks as it's not included in that list because it looks as if it's not a fruit, as it were. But what what we should take note is that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of grace. The attributes of God, of Christ, the spirit of Christ is grace. Because the Bible says, we read that scripture, he is full of grace and truth. We receive grace from our relationship with him. So you can't walk in grace and not exhibit the fruit of the spirit. That's just the the simple way of looking at it. You can't say you've received grace. Yes. I think, George, you know, when you say grace, why is it not included in the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Uh, I think it is not included there because it covers the overall uh, fruit of the Spirit. Mm. You know what I mean? That's why if you are showing kindness to someone, you're already showing grace. If you are like... uh, what you call that one gentle to someone you're showing grace so i think it it is overall grace with the fruit of the holy spirit because in amplified the meaning of uh, grace here is unmerited favor yes that god has shown christ has shown us yes exactly so it's actually we are saying the same thing it's just um in the application is what god wants us to appreciate that in our lives we appreciate that we have received this unmerited favor. We have received this divine ability to do what we cannot do ourselves. That's why nobody can boast about it. You can't say, yes, I have grace. It's a gift, freely available. And we should appreciate that. And reading some of these scriptures is to make us understand what grace has brought to us. Grace is a teacher. He brought salvation. He's also a teacher. That grace is available to teach us to say no to sin, even when sin is all over the place. That's what the scripture was saying. He said, where sin abounds, grace to overcome that sin is far more than that grace. My sin dry. It's not you take my sin dry. It's just when you didn't worship, my sin dry. That's one song. In the um, song book that we have on the Sundays, we know. Yes, Amazing Grace, the hymn. Exactly. Yeah, it's in him. Yes. And with that, we know Mason Grace. We can always know on what Jesus is always now in on our actual body to make us live wisely in. 
they don't actually power of they don't send. Mm, mm. Okay then. And yes. When we work with him, when we come on our actual voices to pray to him for actual powers of grace, it truly of a painful death. Even though we have been, so many people been in, and death quite a lot, and people like to be saved from grace. We can't have too much to be, if we're in hospital, we like to be... So, so Liam, you were yeah. reminding us of that hymn, which is important. Yeah. Yes, the amazing grace, exactly. Um, how sweet that sound, that saved a wretch. It is like, like, like me. Grace, so, how sweet the sound. Exactly, Liam. Like how it does that. Yes, you are, you are very right. Okay, let's 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 round up now. So, yeah. by God's grace, we want to just yes. um remind ourselves yeah, that remind ourselves. Yeah. Yes. So, Liam, let me let me conclude. So, yeah. the scripture. Is clear here, and I'm trusting yeah. that God will help us. And it should be a prayer point, actually, that yeah. Lord Jesus help me to appropriate more of your grace in my life. Mm-hmm. Let me let me not let me not forget that I am a product of grace. My life is by your grace, and actually, my journey to heaven is by your grace. You know, so it's something we need to pray about and i trust that god will help us so i'll stop recording come and join pastor george's bible study at 8 p.m 